This is the First Bet Racing Show on HRRN. Fierceness not out of second gear yet. They went three quarters, and Fierceness goes to the first finish line, trying to put Hades away. Gaffleon getting a response from domestic product, and it's time to go to work for the two-year-old champ. Fierceness is off the turn, but he's not home yet, as Hades is dead game and battling back. Off-cover domestic product is charging hard. 16th to go. Fierceness coming up empty now. Hades has the lead. Domestic product is out of time. DJ Stables, Hades wins the Holy Bull under Paco Lopez from domestic product second. Fierceness, he was empty. He finished third, 146 flat. Now, here's Bob Nastanovich. Good afternoon, horse racing fans, and welcome to the Thursday, February 8th edition of the First Bet Racing Show here on the Horse Racing Radio Network. I'm your host, Bob Nastanovich, filling in for Bobby Newman, who never fear will be back next week. Today on the show, I'll be joined by a pair of top quality analysts from First Bet Racing it- itself to provide their insights. In the first hour, we are, are joined by the highly knowledgeable Jeff Siegel, and in the second hour by his esteemed colleague Jeremy Plonk. We have plenty to discuss, plus live racing from Gulfstream Park, Fairgrounds, and Sunland Park. First up here is Jeff Siegel. Jeff, what's your take on Fierceness' performance in the Holy Bull, in your opinion? Was it a flop or just a race he may have needed or both? I think it was a flop, uh, and I've seen this before from him. Uh, he's run four races now, two spectacular performances, the maiden race at Saratoga and the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, which was terrific. Um, but he he has had problems when he's had problems, if you know what I mean. Both in, the, in his defeats, uh, his losses, he didn't break out that well. And got mad, it looked like, and certainly in the champagne he did. And then in his last race, he got bounced around a little bit. But after that, he got into a really good, easy spot. Uh, outside, nobody in front of him, nobody to, the, to his outside. Uh, slow fractions, he had every chance and just came up empty. And he looks like the kind of horse that, um, no doubting his natural talent, um, but um, what he has inside of him in the heart department is now has to, has to be uh, considered uh, you know, part of the package. And, you know, when you go to Churchill Downs on a 20-horse field in the Derby, you're not going to get a pristine trip. You need to show me that you can overcome, you know, some trouble and, 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 and some adversity. And regardless of how he does in the Florida Derby, and he might win that race by 10 uh, if he shows up with his A game, I'm just not sure if he's one to trust. Yeah, good point. It was a very eventful start in the Holy Bull. In fact, according to the charts, six of the seven runners got bumped around at the start. Officially, Fierceness uh, got pinballed at the start, so he was he was kind of in a bad spot, a st- uh, spot really in the first 16th of a mile of the, r- of the race. But uh, hard to fault the only one who got a clean start in there, and that was Hades, the Florida bred, who's now uh, three for three and and prove that he could, at the very least, uh, again, slow times here, carry his speed two turns. Uh, Hades is, a, you know, kind of an interesting Florida bred uh, going forward. Well, he's, you know, you you make the lead like he did, and you crawl on the front end, uh, and you're going to run your best race, and that's what he did. He did show uh, some um, some quality when digging down deep, went under pressure, and that's fine, but he can't always count on that kind of trip. He's got a lot to prove. The number was moderate at best, as you'd expect, with a slowly run race, as it was early on. Um, so I, I think he's got some courage. I think he's got some, you know, some, some willingness to, to dig down deep and find reserve energy when called upon. All that is good. 
I'm just not sure how good he is, because if it was just he and fierceness, you could say, oh, well, he rose to the occasion. But the third-place finisher had f- modest form, was beaten, well-beaten in the rims. And so, again, you've got to look at the race in its entirety and how they finished and who was in it. And other than fierceness, I didn't think it was much of a field, and it may not have been, other than fierceness, who didn't show up. So uh, you talk about the, you know, a race like that, the Holy Bull, and then you look at what Nisos did out here in California and the Robert Lewis, and it's like apples and oranges. I mean, one horse has got a tremendous amount of talent and does things the right way. That's Nisos. And then you look at, uh, you know, fierceness in that group, and, and you just can't be as impressed. I know Nisos, is, cannot, Nisos cannot run in the Kentucky Derby, but at this stage of the game, we're trying to evaluate talent in the three-year-old ranks. And uh, as when I can figure out and see, uh, and Nisos is just basically not only is he most more dependable than anybody, he's just better, faster triple-digit buyer, and he hasn't been asked for a drop yet. So I don't much, I don't know how much more you can do than he's done so far. No, not at all. In fact, we'll talk more about him uh, later on in the show. Folks, everyone's favorite special wager is back for 2024, the Coast to Coast Pick 5, featuring races from Gulfstream Park and Santa Anita. This wager is extra player-friendly with a 15% takeout and runs every Saturday and Sunday through April 7th. Get 10 times first bet rewards points on every dollar you bet on the Coast to Coast Pick 5 with first bet. All right, Jeff, let's jump right into the action here. We've got the finale a few minutes away from uh, Gulfstream Park. Uh, You know, pretty interesting race. Luis Saez is going for his fourth win on the card. Uh, The ninth race is a mile and a 16th turf event, an optional claiming $35,000 race for four-year-olds and upward which have started for a claiming price of $25,000 or less since February 8th, 2022, or a claiming price of uh, $35,000. Tatanka's in here. He's got one way of doing things. He's the five horse in here. He's going to try to uh, free run on the front end as as the uh, favorite under uh, Jose Ortiz. How did you see the race, Jeff? Well, you look at Tatanka and you see a horse that, Clearly, has got only one way to go, as you mentioned. He's going to be on the front end. He's pretty quick. He's not one of these horses, though, that needs really slow fractions to win. He can go slow and win, but he can also go pretty quick and win, as he did last time when he led gate to wire for Michael Maker and um, uh, Ortiz, as you mentioned. A similar situation here, a mile and 34 and one, quick time, solid buyer number. He's got solid mid-80s buyer numbers, so he's fast enough. Given the trip that I project for him here, which is a front-running trip without a whole lot of pressure in front of him, or behind him, I should say. Uh, There's no reason to think he can't continue his outstanding form. Um, He knows how to win races, 6 out of 17. Uh, He's had enough time in between races uh, to, um, for my satisfaction, he's not being wheeled back too quick. Uh, In fact, he's got uh, two nice easy breezes in the interim, so I think he's doing well. He's protected again. That's good. And uh, there's no reason to think that, given the kind of trip he's going to get, that Tataka will be won't be very difficult to run down again, and I, I imagine he will be. Sonic Speed number seven. He's currently three to one, whereas Tatanka is eight to five. He's probably going to draft into a second stalking position, the same kind of trip he got last time when he won over this course and distance, and that was back in January 18th. Numbers-wise, it was a good solid number. He's two for four a lifetime at Gulfstream. So for whatever reason, if Tatanka gives it up, 
And I kind of expect him to keep going. But uh, Sonic Speed's going to have him in his sights every step of the way. So he's going to get a great trip. He's going to have every chance. Uh, and uh, he has numbers that can win. So I think that's the race. And that's what the board says right now. 8-5 to five on Tatanka and 3-1 uh, to one on um, Sonic Speed. The other horse I want to mention, number two, also Three to one here is Eyes on Target. Been claimed four straight times, uh, so that's kind of uh, unique. Uh, he's been first or second, four out of six here at Gulfstream over this turf course. He likes to lay back in the middle and make a run. Might have a little bit more difficulty today simply because the pace scenario looks a little soft, but I don't think you can count him out. Yeah, there was a significant scratch in here, a horse that would have vied for a favoritism. Uh, who is meant to be ridden by Irad Ortiz, the four-horse space launch, is out. And again, holding steady at 8-5 to five is Tatanka. Live on the board is the horse that you did mention, uh, um, eyes on target here from the Sandino Hernandez stable. Uh, what do you make of a horse who's, who uh, keeps getting claimed? Uh, you know, what's your take on that? I mean, it, you know, that's you know, pretty amazing. Well, he's not going to get claimed today. He's not in for a tag, no. but uh, he obviously knows a lot of shed rows. Well, yeah, that's a good sign, actually, that he's being protected today. The connections got him. Uh, now, Kelly Breen had him. Michael Maker had him. Linda Rice had him. Uh, Michael Maker had him before that. So he's been in very good barns. He's had a lot of chances, and he hasn't won since Saratoga last summer. But he is being protected. That's that's a positive. Uh, and, um, you know, he, he usually gets a piece of it. So I think it's a good sign. I think whoever's been claiming him uh, probably thinks he's pretty sound, if nothing else. Um, you know, he doesn't win all that often, four for 22, but he usually lays his body down. So I could see him run well. One more horse I wanted to mention is Mailman Money. He's first off the claim for Kelly uh, Breen, and uh, he's coming off a couple uh, a nice one with a competitive number. And he's, he's got enough tactical speed to, to draft in and sit in the second flight. He was 12 to 1 in the morning line, but with that scratch, that would go down. And right now, he's 9 to 1. I think he has a chance to maybe outrun that that price and maybe hit the board and get part of the exact or trifecta uh, for his new barn. So um, I think the, the race dictates is going to be dictated by Tatanka. And if he he's one of these horses that can make. He doesn't pull. He kind of switches off real nicely. So uh, when he gets to the front, he, he switches off and he and he slows down and then rebreaks. And that's what you want from a front runner. And I expect to see someone uh, similar to his best race today yes uh kelly breen uh is 19 percent first off the claim and if you're looking for value mailman money is currently nine to one on the board they've loaded about half the field looks like a nice quick load here at gulfstream park the three horse smithwick spice again ridden by luis saez who goes for his win fourth win on the card uh again loading nicely on what looks to be another beautiful day at gulfstream park and for the call of the finale let's go to gulfstream park's P-I-L-O. There's Mailman Money going up. Sonic Speed for uh, Tom Worley. It's 3-1 to one in here. Definitely live on the board. John Velasquez in the irons. You talking to me? And the ninth. There, Immigate. And runners away. Tatanka was off a bit flat-footed today. Specific Spice away quickly to take the early lead. Moving to him is uh, on the outside mailman money and splitting horses Tatanka. Three almost across the course. That's good news for Sonic Speed fans as he works over to the inside and races behind the embattled trio. 
You talking to me is on his outside, then eyes on target. The early trailer is Cadet Corps. The early leader is Smithwick Spice, and Luis Saez looking for a four-win afternoon. He's in front with the uh, Smithwick Spice, a length and a half, over to Tonka in second. In between horses at sonic speed, he's now third at the rail eyes on target, wide on the course, mailman money. Back from there, you talking to me, and the trailer is Cadet Corps. The opening quarter was 22-2 and two as they raced down the backstretch. Smithwick Spice unopposed on the top end. He's two on top. Tatanka will have to do it from off the speed today. He's racing in second. Sonic Speed is at the inside of him and moving a closer third. From the outside, Mailman Money, then back to you talking to me and eyes on target. The trailer is Cadet Corps. They move to the opening half mile in 45-4, and four, and the leader is still Smithwick Spice by a length. Tatanka is on a flanking position trying to go after him second. Sonic Speed's had a good trip. We'll see what he can do with it. He's down at the inside and not progressing yet. Outside mailman money winding up from the back. Cadet Corps looking for room. Eyes on target. They complete three quarters and nine flat on the far outside. Cadet Corps trying to swoop him from last. Tatanka's off cover. Down inside at Sonic Speed. Looking for room between. Eyes on target. Here comes Eyes on target trying to reach Smithwick Spice close to home. Smithwick Spice is still in front. Eyes on target with a late push. Eyes on target getting up. Eyes on target. Eyes on target and Paco Lopez nailed Smithwick Spice. Up for third was Cadet Corps in 139 flat. Wow. A race where the um, complexion unquestionably changed. A little bit of a tardy start from Tatanka. Shrewd move by uh, the red-hot Luis Saez to seize command of the race. Really had it all its own way. It was a very quick pace, but uh, Paco Lopez, who continues in stellar form at uh, Gulfstream Park, wore him down uh, with a very nice inside rally uh, on eyes on target. You talk about a quick return on investment there. Uh, First off, the claim uh, was claimed on January 5th. Comes back protected. We talked about that. And eyes on target at 3-1. to Got a good trip. Plus... Uh, as a closer, son of exaggerator, he um, he got the splits, the front-running fractions that he needed and that I didn't think was necessarily going to happen. Tatanka didn't break that great, but he just got outfooted the first part. I mean, he, he moved up into what should have been a good range, but he's never won other than on the front end. So you could see that the favorite was in deep water early on. Um, and um, and Smithwick Spice... Um, you know, ran ran a winning race, but he just got nailed by eyes on target. Uh, horse that uh, has always run well at Gulfstream Park on this course, and I certainly did today. Absolutely. Let's uh, quickly pivot over to a fairgrounds uh, where they're about to run, well, three minutes away from race number six. Uh, this race here is a one-mile race on the main track. It's a uh, 50000 uh starter allowance race for four-year-olds and upward which have started for a claiming price of $50,000 or less, and which have never won a race other than maiden or claiming. And, Jeff, your first bet, best bet of the day in here uh, is uh, the uh, six-horse laughing all the way, uh, who is uh, trained by Michelle Ovell, ridden by Jaime Torres, and uh, is undefeated in his two races. Yeah, although he did get DQ'd last time. Um and it was his own doing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It was. I mean, he didn't. He would have won if he had run straight, um, but he did not. Uh, I I thought he ran actually a good race. Now the one thing I like about laughing all the way is that um, he's a pretty versatile type of horse. Now originally he was cut out to be a nice horse. They gave 270 for him as a yearling, distorted humor gelding. But he didn't make his first start until November of last year. So he's had his issues, and they ran him for maiden 20, thinking that. 
nobody would claim him, and he probably didn't have a lot of racing left in him anyway. Waited this long to get him to the races. And he won the race, and now they protect him in starter 50 in a sign of confidence, which I liked last time out back on January 18th. He won that race, but he swerved out in mid-stretch, uh, left-handed stick, so I think he shied from that. He won the race anyway. I don't think he was going to lose it if he'd run straight. And he still finished, you know, well clear of everybody else. Now he gets a new jock, and I, I no, same jock. I'm sorry. And uh, hopefully he will have learned something from him last time. And uh, so I think he's got a chance to be either on the lead, doesn't need it. At least he didn't when he sprinted. I think he's a nice horse that was uh, cut out to be much better than this, and maybe his issues are behind him right now. Um, I think it's significant that after risking him for 20 and not losing him, he must have come out of the race well because they protected him, and they protect him again. So laughing all the way to me, I think he's set for another good effort. Yeah, no, thank you very much for correcting me there. He did win his uh, first lifetime start at Churchill in a maiden claiming 20 race. Uh, They got away with running him for that tag. He won fairly easily that day, closing ground stoutly. And like you said, he he crossed the line first in his second start uh, just the other, uh, not too long ago, January 18th, same level by a length and three quarters, and uh, got disqualified. He's vying for favoritism with the uh, sex. He just became a clear five to two favorite. The second choice is the seven horse Midnight Raid, ridden today by Florent Giroux, uh, jock switch there, and uh, trained by Norm Cassie. Very good trainer who's uh, struggling a bit at fairgrounds, but the uh, son of Brody's cause looks to also have a live chance in here, despite uh, subpar effort on January 18th in that same race. Yeah, I, yeah, he had a right to need it. He hadn't been out since November of 22. Didn't get a lot of play that day. Didn't really show anything that I could see. And yet today they're hammering him like uh, somebody knows something. Somebody knows more than I do. Let's put it that way. Um, but laughing all the way, uh, I also want to point out the fact that in his maiden race, his maiden win, he got a 68 buyer, and then his second start, he went up. He went to the 80. He went to uh, earn an 82, so he moved up 14 points, which is what I like to see. Sometimes these horses they run really hard first time out, and then they go backwards. And uh, this one actually moved forward, so that's a positive sign. The other, again, the other thing is that from a tactical standpoint, the pace situation looks soft. He should be, if not on the lead, uh, then certainly close to it from the outside draw, six hole, and he can kind of pick his spot there. So I'm at 5-2, to two, I, I don't see any reason why I wouldn't gamble on him. Now, maybe he's 5-2 to because he was 17-1 last time, and they, nobody believed in him. Well, I believe in him now, so that's where I'm going with Loading swiftly, as they usually do at uh, fairgrounds. Somewhat notable in here that first bet AIs, Highest win probability, according to their data, is Flawless Ruler, who's currently 10-1 to 1 as they go into the gate for Stephen Flint, switching from the turf to the dirt here and taking a little class rise. We'll see how he does. But this is uh, Jeff's first bet of the day, laughing all the way. Let's go to John Dooley with a call of the sixth race at Fairgrounds. Single ruler, two to one favorite. One more for the mile. Midnight rain loads at 7-2. to two. With Florent Giroux. They're in the game. They're off. Colomio, laughing all the way, has that speed, and Harold's Cloud is right there too with an early bid for Edgar Morales. It's Harold's Cloud, and laughing all the way, who gets position? Colomio, green with a white belt, is third up close as they enter the first turn. Midnight Raid running in fourth. Flawless Ruler in fifth, and then comes Glen Airy, and all settled back by Marcelino Pedroza Jr., single ruler trails. 
They have six furlongs to go from the first line. It's Harold's Cloud. So Harold's Cloud generates the pace. A couple lengths in front of Laughing All the Way, who tracks. Colomio running third with the rail by length. Midnight Raid is running in fourth. Then comes Glenary in fifth. Flawless Ruler and Single Ruler. The first two of eight furlongs in 24.54 seconds. So it's Harold's Cloud and Edgar Morales riding for a hat trick of wins on the card. Harold's Cloud leads the mile from a close-up laughing all the way in Colomio. Midnight Raid is footing off this leader running in fourth by three. Then comes Glen Airy, flawless ruler and single ruler. Half mile for Harold's Cloud. Clock 48.96 as they round the far turn. Harold's Cloud still to track down. Laughing all the way and Colomio racing a joint second. Midnight Raid looks to gain on the far outside a quarter of a mile to go. It's Harold's Cloud still from a sweeping Midnight Raid with right there laughing all the way and Colomio's in tight quarters. Glen Airy gets a rail run. Single ruler and flawless ruler is dropped away as they straighten for the short stretch after three quarters. In 112.75 seconds in tight there Glen Airy squeezes on through but it's Midnight Raid who's taking the lead for Florent Giroux. Final 16th. Glen Airy battles through toward the inside. Then laughing all the way in single ruler. It's Glen Airy up the rail for Brian Hernandez Jr. Glen Airy. Glen Airy to win it from Midnight Raid. And then a first line photo between laughing all the way and single ruler. Sharp rally here from Glen Airy under Brian Hernandez Jr. For trainer Paul McGee is enjoying a great meet. He's now four for 12. Uh, very uh, high percentage for him. Great stuff. Uh, they got the horse two back at Churchill November 10th for $50,000. Tried him on the turf at the fairgrounds on January 15th. Ran no sort of race. Switched back to the dirt. And the son of uh, Sky Mesa showed plenty of zest in the last eighth of a mile to pick up a really sort of eye-catching rally from Midnight Raid who looked all over the winter, but... Uh, the four horse out gutted him and uh, finished very strongly. Solid effort from Laughing all the way. He held third, but uh, couldn't get to the top. And it really looked like the uh, Maggie Moss owned Tom Amos trained one horse in here was going to be hard to reel in. But he uh, he definitely stopped turning for home despite setting pretty tepid fractions. Yeah, I mean he had his chance from the rail. If you look at his form, you notice that. Uh, on his best day, he can be really tough. Uh, when he was claimed for 15, he won that race by nine. So I thought he'd be a, a, bet, a more of a factor today than he was last time, and he was for a while. He certainly did laughing and all the way in, but laughing all the way in had his chance. He was sitting second on the outside, uh, had a, never had a, had a uh, straw on his path, was asked to quicken midway on the turn, couldn't keep pace with the rally-wider rally midnight raid, who was certainly well-meant, uh, hit the front. But then... Uh, Glenn Airy, who was claimed for 50000 two races back at Churchill, tried on the grass in, a, in an allowance race, protected yet again off that race in this dirt affair, uh, which is always a positive sign. Uh, no, no panicky drop, as my uh, former co-host Aaron Veracruzzi used to say. And this one was protected, even though he would, had run two bad races. That's a sign of confidence. And Glenn Airy uh, really quickened nicely, got some cover and accelerated on the inside, lightly raced relatively, just a 10th career start, Sky Mesa Gelding, and uh, was, uh, he looked a lot better than 9-1 to one going in and certainly going out. That was a good, sharp win. Yeah, definitely uh, proved his mettle on the main track. Uh, you know, again, a nice uh, turf-to-dirt move by the uh, red-hot Paul McGee, which is always nice to see, and... Uh, We'll get you some results after the break. Let's take a break, Jeff. We'll get back and we'll tell you. We'll move on over to uh, New Mexico here, and uh, and great to have you on the First Bet Racing Show. Adopt US Kids presents what to expect when you're expecting a teenager. 
learning the lingo. Today, I'm going to help parents translate teen slang. Now, when a teen says something is on fleek, it's exactly like saying, that's rad. It simply means that something is awesome or cool. Another one is totes. It's exactly like saying, totally, just shorter. As in, I totes love going to the mall with Becca. Another word you might hear is jelly. Jelly is a shorter, better way to say jealous. As in, Chloe, I am like so jelly of your unicorn phone case. You don't have to speak teen to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will think you're, um, rad just the same. To learn more, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council. We have the world at our fingertips. Inspiration in our touch and power in our hands. Our hands. Gentle enough to hold the next generation, yet strong enough to build movements that can change the world. Our hands can build relationships, frame ideas, and empower communities. We have the ability to share and imagine, create and comfort, love and heal the world around us. And it doesn't stop there. Right here, in our hands, we have the power to save a life. If you see a teen or adult suddenly collapse, call 911 and push hard and fast in the center of the chest. The power is in your hands. Anthem Foundation is the proud national supporter of the American Heart Association's hands-only CPR campaign. Mr. Rogers said, look for the helpers. You can always find people who are helping. Thank you to all the first responders who put their lives in danger to help us when my brothers and sisters need them. We look out for the helpers because they look out for us. Learn how you can help first responders by texting BRAVE to 24365. Want to get the latest HRN content directly on your computer or mobile device? Then subscribe to our podcast using the Podbean app or Apple Podcasts. Just go to hrn.podbean.com on your computer and click follow or download the Podbean app and search HRN. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts and listen to our latest episodes anytime. Don't miss a thing. Subscribe to our podcasts today. You're listening to the First Bet Racing Show on the Horse Racing Radio Network. Scatify with a quarter of a mile to go has led throughout. Nisos let loose with a huge bid on the outside, though. At the 316th, Nisos blows by the competition and turns it on. Wind me up in a battle for second with Scatify. Nisos passing the two-turn test beautifully geared down to stroll in by seven lengths. Wind me up second, Scatify, McVeigh, and a photo between Moonlit Sonata and Better Than Goal. The Robert B. Lewis in 136.65 seconds for the undefeated Nisos. Welcome back to the First Bet Racing Show here on the Horse Racing Radio Network. Folks, did you know Verizon is now offering customers a free iPhone 13 for up to $800 or up to $800 to put towards a new 5G phone? 
This offer is available for all customers, both new and current, with select trade-in and select 5G Unlimited plans. Verizon's best 5G Unlimited plans offer up to $90 per month of value, the most included value in the industry and include incredible savings and the most popular entertainment like Disney+, Plus, Hulu, ESPN+, Apple Music, and more. So turn in your old 4G device and walk away with a brand new 5G device at your local Verizon store today. Okay, there he went. Uh, Nysos, obviously a horse uh, that on paper would have no problem stretching his speed around two turns. Again, did it easily. Wildly unexposed, talented horse. And uh, you must have been there live. I imagine that you were probably on track. Uh, he's, uh, you know, no Kentucky Derby for him, but uh, like you mentioned briefly, there's a lot of big races uh, ahead for Nisos, and you'd like to think that he's a, a three-year-old that we can savor in American racing. Well, his derby is going to be the Preakness, <laughs> put it that way. And um, he's going to maybe run once or twice. He doesn't need much, obviously. Interesting story about Nisos is that I had watched him train prior to his debut at Santa Anita during the fall meeting, and I thought he was you know, a really, really good prospect. You never really know for sure. But anyway, he was entered in a maiden special weight race that included two other Bob Baffert entry, entrants in the race, both of whom were training well. Both were very well-bred and very expensive. And so we're trying to figure out which of the three Bafferts are going to win or which ones we should bet on. So here's Nysos hanging up there at 6-1. to one, And he looked on, you know, on the morning like he was as good as anybody else. But Kyle Frey was named as the rider. And I figured, well, if this course Colt was that well-regarded, he wouldn't ride a jockey that, um, you know, he doesn't usually use that much. Turns out the reason why Kyle got the mount is because Pratt was out of town, and so he was just kind of subbing. He didn't want to put a big-name rider on as Bob now. He didn't want to put a big-name rider on him for this race because he would have to take him off. So he figured, you know, give, give Kyle a, you know, one chance, a one-shot, you know, chance to ride him. We thought otherwise. Turns out that he was just, you know, substituting for a rider who couldn't be there. And he won by 10 that day, and that is 6-1 to one you're ever going to see on a horse like this, <laughs> or, I, or me either. Uh, then he comes back, and he runs in the Bob Hope. He's 20 cents on the dollar. Uh, there, there was no secrets there. Won that race by nine. Then they put him away. That makes sense. And then they bring him back in this race, uh, and, he, and he just gallops. But he does it the right way. Uh, he doesn't make the lead. He doesn't get an easy front-end trip. He sits third or fourth behind a very fast pace, takes control of the quarter pull without taking a deep breath, opens up at will, and wins gear down. Now, you contrast that with his three-year-old debut, with that of fierceness, and then you see where both Colts are at this stage. And while there will be no derby, that is Kentucky Derby for Nisos, it's okay. We've seen the last couple of years where the derby winner hasn't been seen or heard from after the derby. So uh, Bob Baffert and his connections, his owners who make the decisions, decide we don't really have to win the derby. We can do our thing in the Preakness. We can do our thing in the Belmont, which is a mile and a quarter this year at Saratoga go out in the fall, and uh, who needs the derby? Uh, as opposed to turning him over to some trainer who doesn't know the Colts. So it kind of all adds up here, and I think Churchill Downs is um, probably going to regret this because he's going to be the big-name horse, I think, uh, come the first Saturday night, the one that wasn't or isn't there. Okay, let's clean up some results. Uh, the uh, winner of the Gulfstream finale was Eyes on Target, a six-year-old son of Exaggerator out of the 
belong to me, Mayor Christie's treasure, trained by Sir Sandino Hernandez, who's now 8 for 17 on the meet, ridden today by Paco Lopez. The winner paid 860 to win, 440 to play, 320 to show. Uh, Smith with Smithwick Spice, who was reeled in late, ran a brave race, paid 580 to place, four dollars to show. The one horse Cadet Corps paid six dollars. The one dollar exacta two three twenty thirty. The fifty cent try two three one sixty dollars and thirty five cents. And the ten cent superfecta two three one seven forty eight seventy. Uh, let's uh, see what's going on over at uh, Sunland Park. We've got five minutes to post there, so let's get in these uh, results from the uh, sixth race at Fairgrounds, a race that was won by Glen Airy. Uh, Glen Airy, again, trained by Paul McGee and ridden by Brian Hernandez. Uh, great rally from him on the switch to dirt. He's a, a four-year-old son of Sky Mace out of the Maria's Monmare, my favorite tune. And uh, he paid... 2160 to win, 960 to place, 480 to show, midnight raid, no excuses, big bold four wide sweep, and uh, just got run down. He paid six to place, $4.60 to show, and your first bet of the day ran a good race, uh, laughing all the way, paid $3 to show. The $1 exacta, 47 paid 5260 the 50 cent try, 476 paid $100.15. And the ten cent superfecta four seven sixty four seven six three paid forty dollars and eighty eight cents. Again, you're listening to the first bet racing show here on the Horse Racing Radio Network. Pleased to be joined by expert pundit uh, Jeff Siegel, and we're going to take a uh, probably a rare foray for you, uh, Jeff. I don't know. We're going to head on over to Sunland Park. We've got uh, three or four minutes uh, till the next race. There, it's the uh, sixth on their card. And uh, looks like a pretty decent day out there. We were, we were going to uh, provide coverage of a little stakes race from Turf Paradise, but they got the reins out there. They've canceled their card, so in the second hour we'll add another race from uh, Sunland to keep things ticking over. But this sixth race with a $17,500 purse is for registered New Mexico-bred fillies and mares, three-year-olds and up, which have not won a race since August 8th of 2023, or which have never won four races. Uh, let's see. Uh, no scratches as far as I can tell. And three minutes to post. Uh, do you have any opinions as we take a look at the track near El Paso, Sunland Park? Only that I've never been there. Um, and I've been to just about every major track in North America over the years. Um, I was close. I went to a Sun Bowl game once, <laughs> so I almost got there. Um, but uh, I, in handicapping Sunland Park, it, it's, you can pick up a form or pick up the PPs and decide, oh, I'm going to play this. But I, my experience has been that if I don't really know the track, uh, and when I say know the track, I mean, if there's biases, I don't know the – you know, you have to watch the races. You don't have time to do that if you're doing what I'm doing, which is basically Southern California racing. Uh, it's hard just to open up a form and see just about what everybody else is looking at. So I don't know what kind of insight I can give you other than what I read. Um, Blue Blazers, Hugh, who right now is his 3-2 to two morning line favorite, uh, seven-year-old mare, who um, is dropping in class, and I think that's probably the reason why. Her numbers are pretty consistent, but she was beaten at 9-5 to five last time out. 
uh, at Sunland back uh, uh, not too long ago, a couple weeks ago. So I don't know whether I trust her at a short price. She certainly could win. Number four is Indian Excellence. She's three to one. She's currently the second choice. She was really good at this track about this time last year. I don't know whether she's anywhere close to being the same now as she was then. Um, good barn, I'll, I'll say that. Claim for $7,500 at Zia back in December was a little bit disappointing last time. Um, didn't really fire at all. Uh, she didn't break, and then maybe that was an excuse. So if I had to play one or the other, I'd go for the longer price here. They, they both look similar, which is to say they both were good enough at one time and may not be good enough anymore. But Indian Excellence, number four, three to one, um, has got some good tactical speed. And if, she's, if there's anything left uh, that she can give, uh, then um, I think she'll show it here. Yeah, one thing I've noticed about Sutherland Park since we've covered over the last several weeks here on the First Bet Racing Show is that uh, late outside rallies, whether in sprints or route races, seems to be uh, the modus operandi. Uh, it's interesting in here that the two-horse Passion Bell, a six-year-old mare who is seven to two in the morning line, isn't getting much love. Uh, high percentage connections of jockey Francisco Amperon, who's batting 24%. Uh, for Martin Valdez Cabral Jr., who uh, also uh, has very good numbers. Um, it looks for kind of be taking, uh, you know, a little bit of a drop in class here. Uh, not much play, but the, uh, as you mentioned, the 7-5 to five favorite as they head in the gate is Blue Blazes, who down from her morning line of 3-1 uh, to one for trainer Nancy Summers and jock uh, Kelsey Purcell. Uh, loading nicely, one of these tracks where they time the gate load. They're about 30 seconds into it, and the uh, five horses approaching the gate. So let's go over to track announcer Eric Alwan for the call of the Sunland Park 6th. Very comfortable. Almost no wind at all. Racing under perfect conditions here on this Thursday afternoon. Remember, we have a big stakes tomorrow. The Jamison Memorial Handicap will be our $100,000 feature. Let him be. It's one of many stars running in that New Mexico-bred stakes race tomorrow. Getting set now for the start. And away they go. Picture perfect start for Blue Blazes who means business and does so early. Leads by about a neck. Our soaring angel moves into line though a close second. While in third is race our flag. Fourth and coming, Indian Excellence is crying out for some racing room in mid-division is Passion Bell. With about five to gain. Bye and bye, Brookie comes next, leading by two over Special Pride, who's trying to quicken. The other gray in the race is Shell Game, trailing by about nine long lengths is Indian Fire Blossom, heading into the turn for home. Moving sweetly on the lead now, our soaring angel leads by about a half length, but Blue Blazes, who is certainly not done yet. It is Blue Blazes Who coming back for more under Kelsey Purcell. And there she goes. Blue Blazes Who sweeps to the fore. Put away our soaring angel with ease. Then a long way back to Indian Excellence trying to close in third. Wide in fourth is Shell Game. There she goes. Changing leads on cue. Blue Blazes Who is marching and marching by six long lengths for the Nancy Summers table. This one's gone. Blue Blazes Who running up the score. Going to win by six. Special Pride. Comes in second for the exact third. Bye-bye, Brookie. And fourth shell game. For Blue Blazes, who again last time on January 26th ran in an open 15,000 uh, claiming race. Finished fourth that day, beaten four and three quarters. Uh, significant drop in class here down to the condition 7,500 label 
uh, a level and made an absolute no mistakes for a very facile victory. Broke running, uh, part of the pace, disposed of the pace rival easily. At the quarter pole, you could see it was just a matter of how many lengths she was going to win by. Ridden out in the final 16th of a mile, while about six clear in the end, never really challenged at all. Got plenty of support at the windows and certainly verified the backing. Nice, easy win here by Blue Blazes Who. Uh, again, a New Mexico-bred seven-year-old mare who was winning her sixth race from 27 lifetime starts. Yeah, we've got about six or seven minutes uh, till the uh, seventh race at Fairgrounds. Uh, one one thing I was wondering, with the absence of uh, Nysos and all the other uh, uh, stars in the uh, Baffert Barn, including Muth, uh, uh, I don't know where he's going next, but uh, in your mind, does the West Coast have a legitimate Kentucky Derby contender at this point? Can you see one emerging at this stage of the season? I don't see one at all. Um if you take the Bafferts away, uh, you're, and they're not leaving California, I don't think. Now, they might, a couple of them might go on the road simply because uh, I don't think Bob wants to run his best two, uh, three-year-olds against each other when he has other uh, options like Oakland. He could send one there, could send one to uh, Keeneland for the Bluegrass. I don't know about the uh, Arkansas Derby or the, or the Florida Derby, but he's got places to go, and he doesn't have to, uh, you know, have his horses get beat by other horses. I think his goal really is to try to win as many of the prep races as he can and then uh, go from there. Uh, but I don't see any among the also's. Usually when you've got a t- one or two terrific Baffert horses in California, there's at least one other or two others that you, know, you can make a case for, but I'm just not seeing it. I, I really am not. I, I mean, I, if I had a, a decent sort of three-year-old out here, I'd get him the heck out of here and try to win somewhere else And because I don't want to run second and third all the time. I just want to win. And so you might see some of these secondary horses not even bother with, with Nysos. He might, have to, he might have to fill the race with some of his stable mates. But nobody out here other than Nysos, to me, catches my eye. I mean, Muth is okay. I'm not sure if he's really a mile and a quarter horse. doesn't really matter anyway because he's not eligible. And the rest of them are okay. But uh, um, I think Coach Prime's got a chance for Bob to go out outside of the state and win a race somewhere, like Oakland or somewhere. I think he's pretty good. He was disappointed in his last race, but he trains well, and he's a good long-range kind of colt that I think will develop later. Yeah, obviously he's always done extremely well at Oakland Park, and with the purses being uh, what they are these days, uh, they put up $800,000 this past weekend in the Southwest, and he sent Winstock, who uh, Kyle Frey uh, won the Low South Futurity on, uh, that race came up uh, pretty tough, and it was a sloppy track. And uh, you know, again, he was—he was, he maybe was a little bit overmatched in there, but he's probably about the sixth best uh, three-year-old in the stable. Uh, it'll be interesting as the uh, you know, as the, you know, with races like the Rebel and the Arkansas Derby, with the huge pots. If uh, Baffert chases uh, those kind of races, uh, again, yeah, strange uh, set of circumstances in Southern California racing, and it is it is a shame that there isn't, um, uh, you know, a very good uh, three-year-old from another barn uh, that uh, you know Southern California racing can get excited about uh, when the Derby rolls around. But uh, that's the way it is uh, in this atmosphere um, these days. You know, unusual set of circumstances that is oft talked about. Um, Anyways, we're about four minutes away from the uh, next race at the fairgrounds. 
Let's scoot on over to uh, New Orleans where they're, of course, preparing for Mardi Gras and all those festivities. But in the meantime, there's plenty of good racing. And this is the uh, seventh race. It's a five-and-a-half furlong turf race, uh, field of nine, uh, maiden special weight race uh, for uh, three-year-old boys. Yeah, this is an interesting race here. Uh, I always love three-year-old races this time of the year. You just never know what you're going to see, especially in maiden races where you've got a lot of first-time starters that uh, you know cost some money, trained well from good barns, and uh, kind of intrigued to see how they might do. Um, right now, the morning line favorite in this five-and-a-half furlong turf sprint for maiden three-year-olds is uh, the current favorite, number six, five to two on redeposit who's been in the frame and the money in all three of his starts though beaten at six to five in an off the turf race last time it's 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 interesting because here's a colt who's been entered twice well three races twice on on grass and neither one of those races uh remained on the grass so he's finally getting a chance apparently this colt by omaha beach to uh to run on a surface in which his connections obviously think he'll like Omaha Beach, son of Warfront, um, and there's no reason to think that uh, his get won't do equally as well on grass. Um, again, beaten at 6-5 to five last time out, but you could say the sloppy track uh, could have uh, given him a legitimate excuse. The one that intrigues me a lot is number 8, Bonzer. He's 3-1. to one. Now, This is an American pharaoh colt, brought 100000 in the two-year-old in training sale in Ocala in June. And he got beat a neck in his first start, got worn down late by another first-time starter named Mindbold. I thought that was a a strong race uh, for the level that was back in mid-January. Uh, again, beaten the neck, showed very good speed, was collared late, but he didn't really give it up. I gave more uh, credit to the winner than, than anything that Bonzer did wrong. Bonzer hung on bravely, galloped out well, in fact, galloped out in front. And um, so I thought he ran really well. He's a good athlete, good mover, nice long stride, kind of a blocky type of spinner type, but a nice long stride, nice bullet breeze since his last race. Fastest of 74, 48 breezing on the dirt February 2nd for Joe Sharp. So I'm expecting Bonzer to run no worse than he ran in his debut and probably better. And I'm a little bit surprised that he's 7-2 to two as opposed to the 5-2 to two that redeposit is. Number six, I think those are the two that will get most of the play. Also at 7-2, number four, Hero Warship, who was even money last time out and didn't run a yard, but he's trying grass now from Brad Cox and Uncle Mo Colt. Uh, obviously, the Cox's maidens uh, this time of the year on this track at play. I want to see a lot more from him than what I've seen. So for me, it's uh, Bonzer over uh, Rita Bahasa. That's how I see this race. Time starter. Uh, the pride and joy of owner-breeder Will Carai, a horse called Air Force Cruising, trained by Eddie Keneally, who's uh, 10% on recent samples with first-time starters. This is a three-year-old gelded son of Air Force Blue out of a war chant mare who's shown some real zip in the uh, morning, uh, ridden today by uh, Ben Curtis, who's over from Yorkshire, uh, riding uh, quite successfully this meet at the uh, fairgrounds. Uh, uh, did you... Did you 
uh, make anything of his chances. It's, it's interesting. Yeah, to see I don't the know uh, other than what I'm reading, but the bullet works that he showed when he worked from the gate fastest of 89 on January 15th, 47 and one. That you got to be able to run some to do that. And he comes right back with another bullet work that may have been even more impressive. January 22nd, fairgrounds four furlongs, 47 and four, fastest of 142. So he has to be able to run. He's not getting the kind of wagering play on the tote that. Uh, makes him any kind of universal good thing, but he's certainly getting enough at three to one, down from five to one, which may have been a little high considering uh, the work tab. He's an X factor. I mean, I'll tell you about twenty yards out of the gate whether I like him, but it's too late then, you know, right? Yeah. Um, so I'd certainly give him a chance. He doesn't have to be a champion to win, but he's got two legitimate horses in this race, Bonzer and Redeposit, that he that have been. You know, have the experience edge over him, and, and and certainly have proven themselves to be reasonably good enough uh, at this level to be considered the ones to beat. Uh, so, uh, I'll, I, you know, if he can run, if he runs to his works, Air Force Cruising number nine definitely has a, a major uh, say in the matter. Again, they're uh, loading the gate efficiently at fairgrounds. You're listening to the First Bet Racing Show. Uh, very pleased to be joined by. Uh, uh, first bets, uh, Jeff Siegel here in the first hour and the second hour by his esteemed colleague, Jeremy Plonk. And uh, right now, very nice little maiden race here, five and a half furlongs on the turf, race seven at the fairgrounds. Here's John Dooley with the rest of the load and the call. Looks like they have about three left to load. Uh, take the fifth is wandering around behind the gate. The uh, eight-horse uh, Bonzer went in very nicely. And uh, the first or Air Force cruising will be up. Uh, uh, oh, we've got oh, there goes the Brad Cox trained hair hero worship. Again, they have an excellent gate crew at the fairgrounds. Uh, we've seen that time and time again. And uh, we'll get them all loaded here, and then we'll run the uh, the seventh race from the fairgrounds. John Dooley. Over the Stolwellson turf course. Please start to the late pick four from the fairgrounds. Move firm and fast. Hero Worship loaded, so stand by. One more, Ben Curtis with Air Force Cruising. One of the three first-time starters. Redeposit, five to two favorite. Hold in line. Ready. The Rothman sprinting. Take the fifth was slow to go. Fast start for Redeposit, who broke nicely there for Brian Hernandez Jr., taken on by Bonzer, who's up and after the front. And on the outside is Air Force Cruising now with a bid. It's Bonzer between horses. Sharp starting Redeposit the rail and Air Force Cruising going after Bonzer. Redeposit just off them in third. Gordito Hermoso running in fourth. Hero Worship has the orange cap and they have three furlongs to go. It's a break of three more to Rockin' a Halo, who's five clear from Carthage Cajun. Then toward the inside, that slow starting take the fifth and wide. The newcomer Radical Mischief trails the quarter 21.88 seconds. As these maiden three-year-olds turn for home, it's Bonzer with on the outside Air Force Cruising after vying Redeposit. 
positive drop back and Hero Worship charging hard on the outside. Then comes Rock and a Halo with Gordito Hermoso the rail. There's one for long to go. To the inside, it's Bonzer who just clings on from Air Force Cruising. On the outside, Hero Worship maybe has just forged ahead by a head and closing is Rock and a Halo on the outside. It's Hero Worship and Rock and a Halo. Rock and a Halo and Hero Worship. Rock and a Halo. On the wire in a photo with Hero Worship and then Bonzer with Radical Mischief late interest and Air Force Cruising. Rock and a Halo. It would be three for Edgar Morales and Hero Worship. It's a close call. It looked like the five horse Rock and a Halo again. A first time starter by Catholic Boy out of a will take charge mare trained by Tom Amos. Uh, ridden by the inform Edgar Morales, did manage to get up and uh, a stirring a five-wide rally there to, uh, to to get the prize. Tough to evaluate a horse like Rock on a Halo other than his pedigree. Obviously, his sire, Catholic boy, could run on dirt or turf. Uh, and he made the last run here, nailing uh, Hero Worship, who it looked like he'd made the winning move uh, in the upper stretch. Um, but Rock on a Halo, a colt bred for grass, obviously never trained on it. Uh, trained that had some you know solid easy works nothing that would that would jump off the page um, but without having shown his form on turf I'm not even sure if Tom Amos knew uh, what this cold could do but he was bred for it so why not try him uh, and uh, he he gobbled up the leader close home very good race these two well clear of the others as the speed horses. Uh, Kind of did each other in. Bonzer broke well enough, had the lead on side. The, the first turn we talked about, Air Force Cruising, engaged them into the far turn. Those battled head and head, and they both kind of waved the white flag, having done each other in inside the furlong pole, setting it up for the closers. And that win by Rock and a Halo, uh, somewhat noteworthy here. This might be a nice colt. They gave 100 for him as a yearling, so obviously good looking colt, and uh, might be. Uh, going on better and better things based on this kind of rangy colt should should run on i would think yeah no showed an impressive turn of foot there uh folks download the first bet app on your iphone or visit first.com forward slash bet to sign up and play the races sign up with a promo code bet h-r-r-n b-e-t-h-r-r-n to receive a 25 dollar bonus if you deposit in the, in the first 30 minutes after opening your account, plus a 100% deposit match up to $150 on your first deposit within 14 days of sign-up. Again, you're listening to the First Bet Racing Show. I'm Bob Nisanovich with uh, Jeff Siegel, who will be with us for a few more minutes. And, uh, again, absolute pleasure to have you on the show, Jeff. Let's take a break and get the uh, results from uh, Sunland and Fairgrounds and sneak in one more race before you go. What is dedication? The thing that drives me every day as a dad is Dariana. We call him uh, Day Day for short. Every day he's hungry for something, whether it's attention, affection, knowledge. And there's this huge responsibility in making sure that when he's no longer under my wing, that he's a good person. I think the advice I would give is you don't need to know all the answers. The craziest thing was believing that your dad knew everything. So as a dad, you felt like you had to know everything. You had to get everything right. It's okay to make mistakes. As long as it's coming from love, then, you know, it kind of starts to work itself out. I want him to be able to sit back one day and go, we worked together, we did a good job. That's dedication. Find out more at fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. 
the chicken say? Uh, chicken. Oh, okay. Uh, Oh, a wolf. Uh, uh, ooh. What about the tiny dog? Cat. Ow. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Dolphin. What does the turkey say? Whale. Whale. So. To the giraffe. Giraffe, really? Okay. Giraffe, uh, giraffe, giraffe, giraffe. You're not gonna get it all right. Just make sure you nail the big stuff, like making sure your kids are buckled correctly in the right seat for their age and size. Get it right. Visit nhtsa.gov. Slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Small cell lung cancer can affect anyone, not only smokers. The good news is early lung cancer screenings can detect small cell lung cancer before it spreads when the disease is most treatable. Join Stand Up to Cancer and Jazz Pharmaceuticals to raise awareness of small cell lung cancer and accelerate the pace of research. Ask your healthcare provider about screening options that might be right for you or a loved one. Visit standuptocancer.org slash lung to learn more. Hi, this is jockey Brian Hernandez. For me, there's no bigger thrill than crossing the finish line in front, and nobody captures the excitement of our sport like Horse Racing Radio Network. Each week, HRRN brings you exclusive talk shows, podcasts, and in-depth conversations with the biggest names in racing, jockeys, trainers, owners, and more. Plus, HRRN is committed to helping disabled riders through their support of the PDJF. So climb aboard a winner today by visiting horseracingradio.net. You're listening to the First Bet Racing Show on the Horse Racing Radio Network. The leaders start to line up, coming back to the lead. Jess Steele making a big move after Carbone and Otto the Conqueror. Jess Steele storms to the front. Jess Steele and Ramon Vasquez have three sixteenths to go. Here comes Mystic Dan right up the rail, though, with a rail skimming ride by Brian Hernandez Jr. And Mystic Dan is turning it on in a huge effort for the Kenny McPeak barn. Mystic Dan five six ahead, and he wins. Wrapped up a dominant win in the Southwest. Second home was Jess Steele. Liberal Arts came on for third. And fourth was Common Defense. Welcome back to the First Bet Racing Show on the Horse Racing Radio Network. You just heard Mystic Dan kind of blowing apart the Southwest. That's uh, one Kentucky Derby eligible horse who made 20 points in the Southwest. Certainly showed an affinity for the uh, sloppy surface at uh, Oakland Park, winning by eight and putting up uh, big speed figures everywhere. Uh, didn't really know a whole lot about Mystic Dan, the son of Golden Sense, out of a Colonel John Mare going into the race, but he definitely looked like a pretty exciting uh, horse to uh, follow who's on the Triple Crown Trail. Yeah, I mean, he looked great. His number was good. He finished uh, less uh, the final 16th and less than six. It looked like mine that bird scraping paint <laughs> coming through from my, off the pace to win that race going away. But it was, again, a muddy track, and you just don't know how much that impacts, uh, impacted the race and his form. He might be a mud freak for all we know. Uh, he, he had run a few times before that and had run some, you know, showed something, but nothing like that. That was an eye-opener, and I don't know whether he'll be able to reproduce that kind of form on dry in a fast ground or not. Um, you have to give him a chance to do it, 
but I will view him with some degree of uh, skepticism when he runs next, assuming he does so on a fast track. Okay, Jeff, I'm going to give you a break. I'm going to cut you loose before the uh, Sunland Park 7th race, but one great race out in Southern California uh, this week weekend that I uh, wanted to talk to you about and get your opinions on is the uh, Grade 3 Las Virgin Ace. Of course, there are plenty of live Kentucky Oaks uh, contenders uh, potentially out in Southern California and uh, three really nice fillies. Uh, Copion, Kinza, and uh, a horse that will probably be overlooked in there who's, got, who's a grade two winner, nothing like you. What's your uh, what's your initial impressions as you look forward to the uh, Las Virgin Ace this weekend? This is a really good race. I mean, this is worthy of any grade one. It's a grade three. It used to be a grade one. I think it was a grade one. I actually won this race with Golden Ballet about 24 years ago. I think it was a grade one then with one of mine, but uh, now it's a grade three, but it really is a grade one, at least in my mind, because these are three terrific horses. Kinza, uh, won her debut for Bob Baffert, and a 96 buyer number did so, sprinting, going seven and a half furlongs, should uh, handle a mile. Kupion is a two-for-two filly by Omaha Beach for Richard Mandela, won her maiden very impressively at 30 cents on the dollar, came back and won the Santa Inez by uh, many lengths, almost six at 20 cents on the dollar. Kins is faster on pure speed figures, but Copian hasn't been asked for a drop yet. I don't know what she's capable of doing. She's never had to take a deep breath. So that's going to be interesting. And nothing like you, as you mentioned. Good Philly won the Starlet at, Lo- at Los Al, uh, got made the lead that day, and probably um, you know, benefited greatly from that. I don't think she's quite up to the other two, um, but if they let her loose on the front end, she could get brave. But I love Copian. I mean, I love Kinza, too, don't get me wrong, but Copian, I'm not really sure what she's capable of doing because she's never really been asked to show anywhere near what she is capable of doing, and I have a hunch she's going to have to be uh, extended a little bit in this race. Well, Jeff, thanks very much for your time and your opinions. That's really great to uh, hear you on the First Bet Racing Show, and uh, enjoy your uh, your uh, weekend and uh, take care of yourself again a great pleasure to have you on thank you for having me i enjoyed it uh the hour went back fast we saw some nice racing good discussion uh, always a pleasure to be on with you appreciate it uh a break and i'll clean up the uh, results from uh, sunland park and uh, the fairgrounds and we'll welcome first bets jeremy plonk to the show for the second hour this is the Horse Racing Radio Network. Folks, welcoming you back to the City Center Convenience Mart. Well, John, the stage is set for the final transaction. That's right, Joe. Heather's moment has arrived, and you just hope all that training pays off. Heather lays down her purchase, but Randy rings it up as slowly as he can. He is a wily veteran. It gives Heather's eyes the chance to wander. Uh-oh. Yep, she's looking at the cigarettes. There's nothing good back there. Quit now, and in five years, your odds of getting certain cancers drop 50%. Meanwhile, Randy's stone-faced. He's giving nothing away. He just stands there, wetting his cashier's finger on that sponge. Heather toes the rubber. Here we go. Heather's arm is in motion. But instead of pointing at the back wall, she just grabs the gum off the counter. That's a slick move. Heather back, back, back. She is out of there. Even Randy tips his cap to Heather. Stand up to cancer and rally wants you to reduce your risk for cancer. Go to takeahealthystand.org. People do some pretty cool things in their 40s and 50s. Why should saving for retirement be any different? I mean, they go back to college. Learn new instruments. Start skateboarding. Whoa! 
Okay, maybe that one's not for everybody, but saving for retirement is. With aceyourretirement.org, you can get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. Just have a three-minute chat with Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach from AARP. You'll get personalized recommendations based on your input that are easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's sponsored by AARP, so you know they got your back. Snarly move, Dad. Thanks, sweetie. So wherever you are in your retirement savings journey, head to aceyourretirement.org and start chatting with Avo today. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. Trainer Talk, presented by Phasing Tipton. Please join me in welcoming Hall of Fame trainer Todd Fletcher. Hall of Fame trainer Nick Zito on Trainer Talk. Welcome Hall of Famer Bob Baffert to the program. Hall of Fame trainer Shug McGahee, nice enough to spend some time with us. Hall of Fame trainer Bill Mott here on Trainer Talk. Dual Hall of Fame trainer Mark Cassie. Trainer Talk, the biggest names in horse racing. Wednesdays, 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern. Sirius 162, XM 207, and streaming live at horseracingradio.net. You're listening to The First Bet Racing Show on the Horse Racing Radio Network. And El Grande O is back in front. It's El Grande O who kicks away. Kane continues to chase. Uncle Heavy is trying to commence a rally. Is making hard work. Light line and deposition on the grandstand side. But El Grande O is still there. El Grande O. Here comes a run from Uncle Heavy. And Uncle Heavy in between horses. Deposition on the far outside. Light line right there. El Grande O needs the wire. Uncle Heavy late. It's a photo finish. Oh, that's two noses on the line. El Grande O trying to hold off an oncoming Uncle Heavy. Light line was in there. So is deposition. One minute, 53 and three. It's a photo in the withers. Welcome back to the First Bet Racing Show. You just heard a stirring renewal of the withers there. Won by son of social inclusion, Uncle Heavy. Uh, uh, showed his uh, toughness there in the uh, last 16th of a mile to gain. Also another valuable 20 Kentucky Derby points here on the Kentucky Derby Trail. Uh, let's clean up some results. Uh, the Sunland Park six race was won quite easily by Blue Blazes, who a seven-year-old mare by Quinton's Gold out of Silver Up, trained by Nancy Summers, ridden by Kelsey Purcell. Blue Blazes, who paid 360 to win, 280 to place, 220 to show. Special Pride second, 520 to place, 340 to show. And the six bye bye Brookie was third, paid six sixty to show. The one dollar exacta five eight paid eight dollars. The one dollar try five eight six paid seventy six forty. The ten cent superfecta five eight six nine paid thirty nine dollars and thirty nine cents. Uh, winning the seventh race at the fairgrounds, the five and a half furlong turf. Uh, maiden special weight event was uh, won impressively by the first-time starter, Rockin' Halo, a three-year-old son of Catholic Bouette of the will-take-charge mare, She Will Rock, trained by Tom Amos, ridden for his third winner of the day, uh, Edgar Morales. And uh, we're about 11 minutes from the uh, eighth race at the fairgrounds. Let's get the uh, the payouts. For the uh, seventh, again, the five rocking a halo paid fifty nine twenty to win twenty one forty to place eight sixty to show. Hero worship, uh, great effort. Uh, got mowed down by the upset winner. Paid five twenty to place three sixty to show, and the eight horse bonzer came in third two eighty to show. The one dollar exacta five four 
Wow, despite the $59 horse on top, paid 10190 The 50 cent try, 548, paid 25335. The uh, apparently there was a dead heat for fourth between the seven and the nine. The 10 cent super of 5489 paid 7094, and the 10 cent super of 5487 paid $124.21. I'm joined in the second hour of the first bet racing show by Jeremy Plonk. Uh, Jeremy, how's it going? It's going good. I like uh, Serpico RSS at uh, Sunderland in the seventh, and we just hit the wire at a decent price. So uh, good afternoon of racing here from around the country. Unfortunately, we lost Turf Paradise, but uh, uh, Sunderland Park hopefully will treat us well the rest of the way. And uh, it's good to be with you, uh, betting some live racing on a weekday. That's what it's all about. That is what it's all about. Yeah, sorry, the uh, that Sunland seventh um kind of fell into uh you know between a rock and a hard place uh yeah. here on the show we missed it uh sort of sorry to force you to handicap sunland and not not uh be able to offer your insights uh no, what are I'm, your takes I'm, I'm happy to hit that that's the thing is that you put me onto that race that i probably wouldn't have handicapped otherwise so it ended up being a, a profitable endeavor so i always oh fantastic <laughs> all right yeah put putting your your uh, money where your mouth was meant to be i love it uh <laughs> Anyways, uh, what are your what are your takes on the uh, on the uh, four uh, Kentucky Derby preps uh, that were run over the weekend? Of course, the Bob Lewis uh, with uh, very minute Kentucky Derby implications uh, because of the situation and Nisos winning the race. I asked uh, Jeff in the first hour uh, what his feelings were about the comeback of of the two year old champion Fierceness. Uh, what are your thoughts on on him going forward? Well, it's disappointing because we just don't see good two-year-olds who are high-quality stakes winners slip at the beginning of the year like this and then get it back and become Kentucky Derby winners. It's it's very rare. I mean, horses usually maintain that form and continue to develop like a Nyquist, Street Sense, horses along that take, or they develop later like Mage and Justify and horses that we've seen in more recent years. I had to go back to 2010 with Super Saver. The last time I found a horse who won a major as a two-year-old, he won the Kentucky Jockey Club at Churchill, then got beat a time or two as a three-year-old to start off the campaign, and then got it back. You know, And, of course, he lost a few races, the Arkansas Derby among those, uh, Super Saver, and then came back and won the Derby under Burrell in 2010. But that was 14 years ago, and as I mentioned with Jeff on a podcast earlier this week, that's an eternity ago when you're talking about conditioning horses towards the Kentucky Derby. Something that hasn't happened in 14 years because the game has just changed so much in the last five, ten years, the way these horses are campaigned, that, you know, 14 years is almost, you know, it's not Apollo. We're not getting back into the 1880s, but it feels like it, you know, uh, because everything now is just so magnified with two starts before the Derby, these late prep, uh, later debuts amongst horses who are being successful. Um it is not a good situation for fierceness. I, I, it's very concerning that uh, uh, that uh, that he ran so flat. You know, horses run good races and get beat. And when you run a good race and get beat, you say, "Oh, okay." You know, this happens. You know, um, think back Nyquist and Exaggerator when they both ran so well in their first start back after being good two-year-olds, and they ran, you know, in the San Vicente, and you said, "Look." Nyquist has moved forward, but Exaggerator ran a good race in defeat. He's still a top-quality horse. This was a flat effort, a really flat effort late. There's no excuse when Pearson has put his head in front, you know, at the quarter pole. You just don't expect him to run third, you know. 
Maybe Hades is something special. He's undefeated to this point. Maybe he turns him away and you say, okay, well, this was just a phenomenal effort that beat Fierceness. But then when he gets beat for second by a horse who was up the track in the Remsen, the Chad Brown horse, who closed and beat him for second, that's a negative performance. And so I, I'm worried about Fierceness moving forward, honestly. Um, you know, I dropped him, and, you know, obviously everybody had him one or two, you know, with Nysos as the other main horse towards the Triple Crown Series going into that race. But you, you've got to lessen your opinion of him after that. I don't, I don't think there's any other way to look at it. I may be in the minority here, but uh, I, I think he's got a few legitimate excuses. He he did have a horrible start, as did most of the field. And again, I'm not knocking Hades. He's the only one who had a clean start. Right. He, uh, you know, I mean, he he did nothing wrong. He's undefeated. He's you know a pretty cool horse. You know, you know, obviously a very good Florida bred at least. Um, I just think pretty much every step of the way. Uh, fierceness was, uh, you know, not where they wanted him to be. I, I can't imagine, uh, you know, coming from the Todd Pletcher barn that he was fully wound up uh, for the race. I mean, sure, they were expecting, you know, to win uh, with a decent trip, and I'm sure they're a little bit disappointed. I haven't heard anything come to light um, after the race about ha- him having any difficulties coming out of the race. Mm-hmm. And I just think that... Um, you know he deserves a second ch- chance. He's exhibited obviously on Breeders' Cup Day um, that he's got pretty serious talent, and I just think you know he, at this point in the season, uh, you know, with plenty of time and a lot of races, I think you know he's the kind of horse um, you know that could you know go into the bluegrass and win that race comfortably and be one of the top three choices, if not the uh, Derby favorite eventually. I just think he got pinballed at the start. And really, his trip around the first, every it just he, he was never in the right place. Like after the start, after where he was when they were going around the first turn, I never really felt uh, like he was going to win the race. I think you know, just on class alone, he put briefly put himself in a position to win, and he sort of flattened out logically like a horse that was probably eighty, ninety percent fit going into the race. Yeah, I I, I agree with that. Uh, it's not time to, you know, put him away. You know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not dismissing him at this point. Like I said, I, I had him number one last week. I dropped him to three, right, in, in my rankings that I do for Countdown to the Crown. So it's not like it's time to forget about him. But I think you have to be concerned. You know, I, you know, I think the race was more than just the trip, and and so that's where you know you have to see a lot of great two year olds just don't develop and come back at three as strong as they were at two and. Um, I'm sure Jeff probably mentioned, you know, the the same thing happened with the champagne where he had, you know, the poor performance when he doesn't get things his way. That's the concern. When you get to the Kentucky Derby, rarely does anything go your way uh, in the big field, the crowd, everything that goes with it, the long pre-race lead up. Um, you want a horse who can overcome a little bit, but he's a talented horse. There's no question about that. But if you're going to bet him at this point, if you're going to future book him, things like that, you know, you've got to inflate the price. Like, if you thought he was the absolute horse, now you're starting to say, eh, maybe I ought to at least consider a few others, you know. I think he's opened the door to the competition, whereas at the end of the two-year-old campaign, take Nysos out of the equation, he was five lengths the best three-year-old coming into this crop. Uh, he's no longer five lengths better than everybody, I don't think. Oh, not at all. No, I think, you know, yeah. he's no he's no world beater, but he's, you know, he's definitely... 
a very talented horse on his day and the, you know the capability is there but yeah like you yeah. said he does cast the Kentucky Derby f- uh, picture wide open and I think you know dropping him to third is probably about the right move or even a few spots down but um, it would be a surprise to me uh, if he continues right along that he's not in the gate uh, with at least a decent chance on Kentucky Derby Day. Now, if I was holding a future book wager um, on him, uh, I I would not feel particularly good about it. But, you know, again, I think it's far too soon based on that effort to uh, rule him out. And, uh, you know, yeah, some people are fickle that way. Some people will do, you know. But, you know, like, you know, I think like Jeff said, he could come back and blow apart the Florida Derby and then – you know the the Kentucky Derby is is a unique test um, for everybody, and, and usually the horse that uh, wins it um, has a fairly clean trip uh, somehow. Um, so, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, it, <clears throat> even the even the next placement of race might give us a good indication of where they think he is. You know, it, it, see see what Todd has in the Fountain of Youth, right? He's going to have some other horses there, and so if they're not going to the Florida Derby and they're saying, okay, well, let's hit the road. Like, if they were to go to the Wood Memorial and take the easy path, you know, which would be an easier race almost every year than the Bluegrass, certainly an easier race than the Florida Derby, if they were to go that path, that would tell me that, you know, maybe they don't think he's got his fastball anymore. And so, like, his next placement, I mean, he should be in the Florida Derby. That would make the most amount of sense. I would have no argument if he shows up in the Bluegrass. But if he's anywhere else, um, that, that would be of some concern for sure. You know, we're always looking at a two-prep campaign, so there's not a three-start you know, campaign for the horse. That's always been the plan was to get through this first one. And they went early, right? I mean, they went early to the Holy Bull instead of waiting and then having the two races closer together. So this gives them a chance, if things didn't go right, to have a little bit more time to, to get him back on the beam, if you will. And so in that case, you know, bringing him back in the, in the Holy Bull instead of waiting for the Fountain of Youth, may turn out to be the best move for him because he might need that time to get back to his absolute best, and, and we'll see how he develops. Uh, you know, I jinxed myself because my horse at the Sunland just got DQ'd, so bad luck. Uh, uh, he won by three or four lengths but got DQ'd for interference. So, uh, Oh, my goodness. Oh, jeez. Yeah, so <laughs> Anyways, let's take in some uh, – you know? let's make amends at uh, Fairgrounds. This is the race, the uh, Fairgrounds yeah, eighth race. Uh, it's for state breads. Uh, it's a six furlong race on the main track. Big $58,000 pot. It's for accredited to Louisiana bred three-year-olds and upward, which have never won two races and rather significantly first bet racing. AI's best bet of the day is in here. It's the uh, five-horse Carpus, who is currently eight to five on the morning line. Uh, t- sitting at five to two, a horse that was nine to two in the morning line has been bet down to five to two from the uh, often uh, very good tandem of Brett Calhoun and Ray Lou Gutierrez is Take Charge J.J. What are your thoughts on the uh, Fairgrounds 8th? Yeah, I, I went with Take Charge J.J. Brett Calhoun's barn's really hot over the last two weeks. He's positive ROI, winning 32% uh, uh, in the last few weeks. His barn's going well. I, I think he's going to be moving best late in this group, and I think there's some speed in this race. So I gave Take Charge J.J. the 7, the, the top nod in here for me. Carpus gave it up last time in the Louisiana Futurity on the front end, and this is a horse who, you know, is going to be up in the pace. We'll see if the three son of a ship can go with them early uh, and see where maybe some of the other speed comes in here. You'd like to see if you're going to beat a front runner that you've got a couple that go with them. Maybe the eight can show some speed as well. If they don't go with him, Carpus is going to be tough to run down. But I thought Take Charge JJ had a shot in here. Okay, the eight, horse, the, the eight horse is going forward. That's another rapid-fire load at fairgrounds. It's John Dooley for the call of the fairgrounds. 
two. Favorite Seventh here, race. Carpus over the six furlongs. They're in the gate. Eighth race. And the rough. Gutsy and the Black Blinkers broke sharp along with Les Monts-Rapides with an early bid. Right there is Take Charge JJ and Carpus on the speed. It's Carpus toward the inside for Erica Murray. Narrowly, Carpus went to the front as they make this dash toward the half-mile pole. Then comes Take Charge JJ outside that Les Monts-Rapides. Son of a ship moves through toward the inside. After breaking sharp, Gutsy is back in fifth as the leader here is Carpus heading toward the far turn. Then it's a break of four more to Got Me a Chrysler and... Live Affair has dropped back to last. The quarter 22.02 seconds rolling to three furlongs from home. It's Carpus. Carpus who leads with the rail. From a looming up, Les Monstres Rapides. Toward the inside, Son of a Ship has been handy. Then comes Gutsy who is racing outside of Take Charge JJ as Carpus leads for home. Then comes Got Me a Chrysler who rallies with the rail. And finally, Live Affair, half mile in 45.33 seconds. Son of a Ship now descends on Carpus for a final furlong battle. It's Carpus toward the inside. Son of a Ship as they come down toward the final 16th Together. They've kicked away from Take Charge JJ and to the inside got me a Chrysler. It's Son of a Ship for Jareth Lubberry edging away from Carpus. Son of a Ship. Son of a Ship scores from Carpus, who was tracked down by Son of a Ship. Take Charge JJ third, then Live Affair from Gutsy. They monster rapide and got me a Chrysler. 110.75 for the Stapert Sprint. Jeremy, let me explain to you. I, I don't know what it is with the gate crew at Fairgrounds, but they've gotten me several times. They they can take a, a seven or eight horse field and load it in twenty seconds. It's pretty remarkable <laughs> stuff. But anyways, during the race, uh, son of a ship, there uh, wore down uh, Carpus, really, who had uh, no excuses on the front end for uh, Erica Murray, and in fact, this uh, stayed on pretty gamely to uh, get beat about a, a long neck. But uh, the, you know the move coming off the turn by Son of a Trip, chained by uh, Mike Maker, ridden by Jareth Loveberry, uh, and uh, a horse that now has won uh, two in a row after uh, losing uh, the first six races of his life, a, a son of midshipman. Uh, okay, we're going to take a break on the uh, First Bet Racing Show. I'm here with uh, Jeremy Plonk from First Bet, and uh, we'll uh, talk about several things after the break. Did you receive a call or message that mentioned Social Security and demanded immediate action? Did the caller know your Social Security number or other personal information and tell you that your Social Security number had been used in connection with the crime? Did you feel worried that your Social Security number might be suspended, your bank account might be frozen or seized, or you could be arrested? That is not the Social Security Administration. Social Security will not threaten you, demand your personal information or instant payment email or text you pictures or documents, or use a real government official's name to gain your trust. Social Security does not accept payments by gift card, prepaid debit card, internet currency, or by mailing cash. Criminals use these forms of payment because they are hard to trace. Do not be fooled. Hang up. Ignore them. Report this criminal activity to the Social Security Administration Office of the Inspector General at oig.ssa.gov. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. A lot of things feel out of control these days, so it's time you pick your battles. Skip playing referee in the morning. Skip laundry this week. Skip game limits today. Skip cooking tonight. New realities require new routines, and it's okay to skip some of the old ones. 
but don't skip your preteens well visits and recommended and catch-up vaccinations. A public service announcement from Vaccinate Your Family in collaboration with Merck. Want to get out of just about anything and look like an earth-saving hero? Just use the environment excuse. High school reunion? Ooh, sorry, can't. Planetary obligations. Unfortunate bridesmaid's dress. Unfortunately, you promised the climate you'd buy more vintage. Chauffeuring teens? Yeah, the Earth really needs them to hoof it. That's right, the environment is always the best excuse. So go ahead, ask your bae to dim all the lights because carbon emissions. Tell your dad bought a dad to eat more plants. For the planet, obviously. Kindly tell the kids to stop asking for a new phone. I mean, e-waste, right? Find your out and opt in to cutting carbon. Just visit theenvironmentexcuse.org. A public service announcement brought to you by WildAid. Don't miss the Equine Forum every Saturday from 8 to 11 a.m. Eastern, right here on HRRN. Mike Penna brings you the latest in thoroughbred racing, featuring interviews with trainers, jockeys, owners, and other racing insiders. Plus, exclusive segments you won't hear anywhere else. The Equine Forum, the show that launched a network. Saturdays, 8 to 11 a.m. Eastern, Sirius 162, XM 207, and streaming live at horseracingradio.net. You're listening to The First Bet Racing Show on the Horse Racing Radio Network. Our Harper Rose now takes over the advantage from the outside, Scalable moves to her. Back to the inside, it's Fiona's Magic. Then Chi-Chi trying to rally from the back is Nikitas. They're at the top of the stretch. They went 45-4 and four for the opening half mile. Edgar Zayas gives our Harper Rose the cue to kick for home. She's an eighth of a mile from home and two on top. Fiona's Magic is very game, fighting back toward the inside. Back to third, it's Chi-Chi, then Scalable. 16th to go, our Harper Rose with her ears up. She's going to win the forward gal in style. Our Harper Rose wins by two in the end. Fiona's Magic second, Chi-Chi third, then Scannable and Nikitas in 124 and 1. Welcome back to the First Bet Racing Show on the Horse Racing Radio Network. Big day for Florida Breads, an open company. Uh, Hades, of course, winning the Holy Bowl. That was R. Harper Rose winning the forward gal. Uh, always good to see if you're a fan of Florida Breads at Gulfstream Park. Right now, it's time for the Blood Horse News Update and a look at the top headlines from bloodhorse.com. The Florida Thoroughbred Horsemen's Association, located at Gulfstream Park, announces that applications are being accepted for its Workers' Compensation Program. Implemented in November 2023, the plan has been enthusiastically received and already provides coverage for more than 50 trainers. This unique horse racing industry insurance program provides affordable workers' compensation insurance coverage to trainers for their backstretch employees, including assistant trainers, exercise riders, grooms, and hot walkers. Trainers pay a start fee that is determined after lost runs are provided. Those who race at Gulfstream Park year-round receive a $50 subsidy from the Florida Thoroughbred Horsemen's Association, making the insurance plan extremely cost-effective. Quote, this new policy provides substantial savings and expenses for resident trainers at Gulfstream Park, said multiple graded stakes winning trainer Ron Spatz. 
the security of knowing all of my employees are cover at a, covered at a sizable cost savings without the risk of being dropped or facing a rate increase if a claim is filed was a huge factor when I decided to sign up for the program. Trainer Jose Garaflo said, I am grateful for the years of dedication and hard work the Florida Thoroughbred Horsemen's Association has done to make this possible for us. In the past, finding coverage for backstretch employees was not only difficult, it was very costly, and if there was one previous claim in the past few years, the insurance would be too expensive or nearly impossible to find. This program is a blessing for trainers at Gulfstream Park. That wraps up today's edition of the Blood Horse News Update. Download a copy now of Blood Horse Magazine via the App Store or Google Play or subscribe today at bloodhorse.com forward slash HRRN. You'll receive a free membership to Blood Horse Plus and a great 2024 calendar. Yeah, so always very good news when uh, uh, workers on the backstretch are, uh, are are insured, and it's nice that the uh, that they've made that possible. The Florida Thoroughbred Horsemen's Association. I'm back uh, with uh, Jeremy Plonk here, and uh, we're going to um, let's see. We've got we've got a few minutes for the uh, Sunland Sunland Eighth. You ready to tackle the uh, or? Yeah, you ready to tackle the Sunland Eighth? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, the Sunland Eighth race is a uh, it's a it's a six furlong race uh, for registered New Mexico bred three year olds and upward, which have not won two races since August eighth of two thousand twenty three, or which have never won four races. Let's see, we've got um, uh, we've got quite we've got quite a bit of time for the uh, Sunland Eighth, but we'll we'll preview both of these races. There's it's a uh, it's a full field of twelve in here um, right now. The uh, morning line favorite is at even money. That's the eleven horse. He's a prospector who's scheduled to be ridden by Ken Towhill for trainer Joel Mar. Yeah, I mean he's a horse who's expected to take money with those connections. Towhill and Mar for you know decades at Sunland. Uh, high percentage connections and coming off a second place finish last time in maybe a little bit tougher condition than this. So he's a prospector, makes a lot of sense. But when you look at the conditions of this race, Bob, and I, I think this is important whether you're talking Sunland or any track America, is understand the conditions of the race and what makes you eligible to compete. And then I like to tell new players, like, think about it like when you enrolled your kid in Little League or when you played in a in a rec league. If it's, if it's an over 50 basketball league, you don't want a bunch of guys who are 74, right? You want to be 50 and, and, and fit the conditions <laughs> of the league, you know? If it's, if it's for 13, 14, and 50-year-old kids, the 15-year-old kids are going to be the strongest, and the 13s, you don't want a team full of 13s. Same kind of deal with the conditions of a horse race to make it competitive. This race is for horses, as you mentioned, that have not won two races since August the sixth or August the eighth uh, of last year. So you're looking for horses that obviously don't have a lot of great recent form per se, because they've only won less than two races since August the eighth. But then you don't want horses who haven't won any races since then, and you don't want horses whose last win was back in May or, or February of 2023. You want to be close to that cutoff date. And then you want a recent win. And when you have something like that, then you have a horse who fits the conditions, as I like to say, and a lot of other horse players use that. 
Look at number six, Biscuit Snatcher, in here in terms of fitting the conditions of a race. This horse won last time out, so has the recent win in a field that's kind of extending it for horses who don't really have good recent form. He has a win recently. Then you go back two starts back, and the race was July the 31st, won that race as well. So you're looking at back-to-back wins. So this horse has back-to-back wins, but is eligible for this race because that second win was July 31st. The cutoff date was just nine days later, eight days later, on August the 8th to be eligible for this race. This horse couldn't fit the condition and be eligible to run in this race any better than that. And I like the fact that you have a layoff. Anytime you have these races that are restricted based on kind of your accomplishment over a certain amount of time, well, that time spent in between, a lot of these horses spent that time losing races in between. When you have these kind of races with this kind of condition, haven't won since, Horses that had layoffs during that time are actually advantaged when you think about it. They didn't win over the last six months because they didn't race, you know. The horse like Biscuit Snatcher hadn't raced since July, came back out in December, and won that race. I would much rather have a horse whose reason for not winning over the last six months was the fact that they were on the sidelines than a horse who was running repeatedly and lost four, five, six times during that same amount of time. So I like the way Biscuit Snatcher fits the conditions, and you get a horse who's stepping up in class, taking on tougher competition, but obviously in good form off a of back-to-back wins, second start after a layoff. There's a lot to like with that one. Uh, five to one in the morning line for Biscuit Snatcher, the six. And currently at four to one, it looks like the price might hold. You know, we'll see where the late money comes in on this race. But uh, for me right now, I would take you know, as low as three to one, I think would be fair odds on this horse. And if your speed figure aficionado matches up fine, a 56 buyer last time that matches up with just about anything in this race, uh, uh, amongst their top, uh, figures as well. So, uh, I'll take the six in this spot here in race eight at Sunland. Again, we're listening to the, uh, first bet racing show on horse racing radio network. I'm here with, uh, first bet, uh, bet racing zone, Jeremy Plonk. Uh, we both like Biscuit Snatcher, and here it looks in a way that the race was almost written for Biscuit Snatcher. Mm-hmm. You mentioned that there are a lot of horses in here that have stayed busy and whose form has really gone south. Uh, the win you mentioned two back uh, was July 31st, an easy win at Arapahoe. Uh Then he came back and ran one race at Zia Park in Hobbs, New Mexico, um, won that pretty comfortably under Towhill, gets the services of Irwin Rosendo today. Uh, pretty significantly, um, last year at Sunland Park, uh, kind of this time of year, um, he ran really sort of decent races at um, at this level without sort of breaking through. Mm-hmm. But uh, he does act on the racetrack. Um, uh, but, yeah, look, we have uh, eight minutes until that race, so we're going to quickly pivot because your um, first bet of the day is in Fairgrounds 9. I want to give you uh, a good opportunity to uh, talk about um, your your selection there, and that's the uh, seven-horse unified report. Um, again, this race in particular, uh, looks like these races are going to go both on top of each other, so I want to get, you know, your your opportunity to, uh, you know, sort of fairly analyze um, both, both of the races. Um, this race here is going to be a uh, it's a one mile turf race it's for accredited louisiana bred four-year-olds and upwards which have never won two races other than maiden claiming waiver claiming or starter or which have never won three races or a claiming price of uh, twenty thousand dollars and again jeremy really likes the chances 
of the Seven Unified Report, who's trained by Dallas Stewart and ridden by the very informed Brian Hernandez, who, of course, on top of uh, several wins here in recent weeks, uh, won the uh, Southwest Stakes for Kenny McPeak over the weekend. Yeah, when I judge this race, Bob, I look at a, a race that's just filled with deep closers, like the one Hudson Stern, the two Smarty Alex, uh, moment of stardom, deer crossing. These are horses I put big C's next to. Parents is going to come from well off the pace. They're big closers to me. And so it's only a turf mile. These races are often won by horses who are either first over or towards the front. Uh, a, a mad dash going the turf mile sometimes can be too short of a trip uh, for some of these grass horses. And Unified reports one who looks like he could make the front in here or at worst be sitting that kind of first over trip. There's very little speed. The two scratches to the inside of the three and the five will help keep this one inside a little bit more because, you know, from the seven hole originally now goes from the five right in the middle of the gate. And you like to see that for a horse who's been running one turn races. I don't like to see horses going from sprint to route and that first turn comes up on them quick when they're drawn way outside. They might blow the turn. They go a little wide on the first turn. They're not used to making that left-hand turn so early into the race. But when they have horses to the inside of them, to the outside of them, they're kind of hemmed in, and that helps keep them uh, focused, I think, into the first turn. I think Unified Report is going to stretch out here nicely. He was a good effort uh, second at uh, Kentucky Downs going seven-eighths of a mile. I don't think one mile as far as the trip is going to be too far for him. I have a closing argument, Mayor, by Unified. I think he'll handle the distance, and coming out of that turf sprint, he should be sharpened in that race. I was hoping to get a little bit more than the morning line, but you have to keep in mind real city speed in here. The five who scratched was seven to two in the morning line. He was the morning line favorite. So when he comes out of the race, all the other logical contenders are going to take a percentage of that money and of the odds that would have been for real city speed. So uh, to think nine to two on unified report, that wasn't going to hold after that scratch of real city speed. Uh, but hopefully we can get a little bit better, maybe three to one here. Uh, by post time, hopefully some late money comes to Deer Crossing or one of the other contenders. I always want the best price possible, obviously, playing a horse straight up here. But I think Dallas is going well in the last two weeks, according to the Betnick stats. He's 7 for 17 in the exacta at Fairgrounds over the last two weeks, four of those victories. So Dallas Stewart's barn's hitting really well right now. And like you said, Hernandez makes a lot of good decisions. And this could be a rider's race. In a race that doesn't have a lot of pace, jockey decisions often come into play. Uh, more so than these races that have a ton of pace to them where everybody's just trying to, you know, get to the front and then survive. Uh, This one's going to be a little more tactical, I think, and having a good pilot like Hernandez doesn't hurt. Yeah, live on the board is the six-horse deer crossing, who you mentioned briefly, uh, 7-2 right now. He's 5-for-5 in the money at Dunn, the fairgrounds turf course, 5-for-21, and, of course, he represents the connections of the – sort of rising star in Louisiana racing, the inv- somewhat invincible touch upon a star who won again recently at uh, Delta Downs in a waltz. That's trainer Jeff Delholm, his, his uh, mm-hmm. brother Jake Delholm, the uh, former NFL quarterback, and his father's involved. Uh, Deer Crossing uh, looks like another well-meant entrant from a, a stable that unquestionably knows how to win and has a lot of talented horses. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. This one's got a good overall record, right? Five for 21, as you mentioned, but just seems of late to, to be coming up a bit short. Just lost, what, six in a row with a lot of second and third underneath type finishes in there. Certainly one for the exotics, but if you're going to try to beat this one on the front end, it's a come from behind style. So you don't want to try to outclose a logical contender with the same style. I think if you're going to beat Deer Crossing, you try to beat a horse like this with a divergent running style. 
So if you think that the horse to beat in here is the 60 or crossing, I wouldn't go for another closer to beat him because if the race sets up for a closer and he's the best horse, he's going to get the trip and he'll be tough to topple. So you got to try to beat him from the front end, I think. So if you're going to try to beat Deer Crossing in here, I think you want to try to find the front runner to do so. I thought the seven unified report would be in that kind of category. The nine Coffee counties one who's at a price who could be forwardly placed in here. Doesn't always go to the front, but sometimes it's shown a little bit of speed. And with a more outside draw in this race, they may have to send a little bit under Mitch Burrell. Uh, and there's just really, I mean, some of these horses are just dead pan closers that are going to fall way back here. So even if you're not gunned to the front and there's not really rider intent to go to the front, Coffee County might just kind of find himself falling towards that first, second, third uh, position going down the backstretch. Monarch's mischief to the outside the other one that might have a little bit of speed, but I just don't see much pace in here at all. If Hernandez is aggressive at all, the seven should make the fun. Again, Jeremy's uh, Jeremy Plunk's uh, first bet of the day is the seven unified report. Uh, we're about two or three minutes from post time out at Sunland Park. We're going to uh, sneak in a quick result of the fairgrounds eighth grade eighth race which was won by the three horse son of a ship a three-year-old son of midshipman out of an elusive quality mare called cindy says trained by mike maker ridden by jareth loveberry and uh, son of a ship uh paid uh 10 60 to win 480 to place three dollars to show the pace setting five carpus uh ran a game race finished second paid 360 to show Two, uh, 360 to place, 240 to show. The seven take charge, JJ, 240 to show. The one dollar exact, a three five, 1680. The 50 cent try, three five seven, 18 dollars and 80 cents. And the 10 cent superfecta, three five seven one, paid 32 dollars and 27 cents. Again, we're about a minute until the uh, Sunland Park race, a race in which. Uh, both of us uh, like the same horse, and uh, that was uh, Biscuit Catcher, and we were hoping that he wouldn't be uh, bet down too much. A horse that's won two in a row comes off a freshening for uh, Terry Russ, and right now sitting at kind of an appealing uh, price of uh, 9 to 2 on the board. I'm, I'm going to have to uh, place yeah. a wager on, the, on Biscuit Snatcher. Yeah, this is like my dad used to tell me. you got to make your living with $12 horses in horse racing, right? You're looking for 5 to ones. That's kind of the sweet spot between, you know, not chalking out and not stretching and, and reaching too far, you know, for long shots. But if you can make a steady diet of horses that pay ten, eleven, twelve dollars, you can make a lot of hay in this game. And he looks like he's going to be right in that ballpark, you know, in terms of price. And that's more than fair to me. I'd be happy to take that price uh, on Biscuit Snatcher in this particular spot. Bob, just before they go to the gate here, I want to say that the uh, Sunday races for the Coast to Coast Pick Five were just announced. So if people would like to handicap that Coast to Coast Pick Five. Uh, give you a, a quick rundown of the races for that. It'll be awesome. Gulfstream, Gulfstream 7, 8, and 9, and Santa Anita 4 and 7. So Sunday's Coast to Coast Pick 5 just announced. Sunday at Gulfstream, Super Bowl Sunday, races 7, 8, and 9 from Gulfstream. And from Santa Anita will be races 4 and 7, uh, special post times there for Super Bowl Sunday at Santa Anita, too. So uh, that's latest off the press there for the first Coast to Coast Pick 5. Cool. And can you slip in the races that will be utilized in the uh, in the Saturday Coast to Coast? Yeah, I've got that. Uh, hang on one second. I thought you were going to ask that, and I had it pulled up real quick, and then I closed the window out. It is Saturday. will be Gulfstream 9 and 11 and Santa Anita 3, 6, and 7. So the Coast to Coast Pick 5 on Saturday – Gulfstream 9 and 11, Santa Anita 3, 6, and 7. Excellent. Thank you very much, Jeremy. Uh, 
They're behind the gate now at Sunland Park, uh, maintaining favoritism. Is he's a prospector? In fact, just want to click from 9 to 5 down to 8 to 5. Uh, he's a prospector, again, ridden by Ken Tohill. For Joel Marr, Dick Capolucci has a couple of horses in here. Again, another high-percentage trainer out at Sunland Park. He's got the nine golden band, who's currently 9-1. to one, And a horse that's very, been very live in the wagering is golden band stablemate. Where does the cash go, who's currently 4-1? to one. We both like Biscuit Snatcher, and Biscuit Snatcher has now been backed into 4-1. to one. Uh, Again, trained by Terry Russ for Erwin uh, Rosendo. And, uh, again, they're wandering around a bit behind the gate. We've got, yeah, I got a late scratch in here. The 8 just came out, so uh, we'll have a little bit of a delay. But it doesn't look like there. Yeah, there is one rider off, but that may have been the rider for the 8. Uh, so, yeah, the 8 came out of here. I don't know. He wasn't, yeah, the uh, he wasn't terribly bad. He was kind of a mid, yeah, he was a mid-range price there, I think. So he won't affect the odds too, too much here uh, with him coming out late. Yeah, okay, yeah, officially the eight-horse Besitos Criminales, which I, I believe means cr- uh, uh, criminal kisses, um, and it, when translated has been taken out of the race. Uh, looks like they're kind of uh, heading back towards the starting gate again. We're worried about these two races, uh, which uh, Jeremy Plonk from First Bet has done such an excellent job of analyzing going off on top of each other. Uh, we'll give priority if it gets close to the fairgrounds. Ninth, again, his first bet of the day is the seven unified report, who's at about two to one in the betting, uh, about three minutes to post there. They've begun the gate load at uh, Sunland Park for race eight against this, again, this uh, conditioned uh, claiming event. Uh, well, we both like Biscuit Snatcher, who, and, and that scratch didn't affect his odds at all. He's back up to uh, nine to two, looks like. Kind of a, what I'd call sort of typical El Paso weather, 60 degrees and pretty bright. <laughs> uh, they're they're a little over 30 seconds um, into the uh, gate load, and again, just like fairgrounds, this is a very efficient staff. So we'll probably uh, we'll we'll get this race in, and then we'll jump right back over to New Orleans. Again, here's the voice of Sunland Park, Eric Allwan, with the call of the eighth race from Sunland Park. About half the field's already into line now for this six furlong sprint. This is our eighth of nine races today. On hold behind the gate, Golden Band. He's moving closer. He is one of two in the race, trained by Flacco Capalucci, our leading conditioner. Here's Biscuit Snatcher for Terry Rust. Terry's done a great job with Biscuit Snatcher. He's dangerous at this level. Black Eyed Bandit is next. Still about four to load in this field of a dozen. Where does the cash go? And Oaks Crossing, they move in together. He's a prospector still on hold. Okay. Difficulties, but <laughs> a bit of a slow load here as they approach the, the two-minute mark on their gate load uh, Donella timer. Has done very well over the decades here at Sunland. Waiting on the four horse. He's a prospector waiting his That's turn. That's the 40 to 1 Oaks Crossing. Luck in my eyes just went in. Santiago's Tower. Long shot's already set. He's a prospector to complete this field. All in. I 
And there they go. Fast into stride, as expected. Where does the cash go? And he sweeps clear by two. Chasing him nicely is Biscuit Snatcher, who looks eager at the bit today. In third, Golden Band stays close. Raising the stakes in fourth is Oaks Crossing, trailing by about three. He's a prospector, is relaxed. In about fifth position, four off the pace. Right on top of him is Santiago's Tower, making some impression to the rail. Chucky's Chance begins to catch the eye. Then it's Color Me Gone and Luck in My Eyes, trailing by at least a dozen lengths. Our Gatling Gold, and far behind that one is an oncoming Color Me Gone. They've got five sixteenths of a mile to travel in this field of 12, and where does the cash go is still well clear. Showing no signs of stopping at this point, but he's a prospector, tries to take dead aim on him. And he's a prospector, although wide is making some inroads on where does the cash go? Where does the cash go? Leads a length, now half length. He's a prospector, may have him under Ken Toehill. Where does the cash go? Imploring by Alfredo Juarez Jr. is responding. And it's going to be where does the cash go? Defend off, he's a prospector in a nice race. Where does the cash go? Did not fold. He's a prospector, closed in in second, then a distant third. Look in my eyes, fourth. Color me gone. Yes, a race one at the start by the uh, Capolucci trained. Where does the cash go? Broke about two legs on top, which is his want when he's in form. And uh, unlike last time where he uh, uh, dueled and then kind of uh, faded pretty badly in the last 16th of a mile, he made no mistakes today. Um, he's a prospector. Uh, ran a brave race and was chasing him all the way home. And uh, unfortunately, it looked like our horse Biscuit Snatcher was a little bit rusty off the uh, off the layup, but he'll live to fight another day. Uh, let's get over to the fairgrounds where they're just beginning to cross over onto the turf course. So it looks like we have another minute to uh, catch you up on the goings-on there. Uh, yep, look at Unified Reports 2-1, to one, co-favorites with the... Uh, with the Dell Home Train Deer Crossing, uh, ridden by uh, Jimmy Graham. Uh, there was a significant scratch in here. Real City Speed uh, was uh, taken out for Maggie Moss and Tom Amos. Uh, that was the five horse. Um, so leaving a field of eight for the uh, fairgrounds ninth, where they're just beginning to load. One horse is going forward. That's Hudson's turn. Again, another beautiful day at the uh, fairgrounds. There's plenty of rain expected this weekend. I believe most of it coming on Sunday. Uh, the two horse goes in smoothly. That's Smarty Alex currently at 19 to 1 for Jose Guerrero and Shane Wilson. The three horse was scratched. The long shot mega, mega wild time. Moment of stardom is in. Yeah, eight horse field. And again, Jeremy's first bet of the day. Now it's sort of the attractive price at five to two is the seven unified report with the rest of the call on the load for the fairgrounds ninth race. Here's fairgrounds track announcer John Dooley. Set at 21 feet here. Firm. All in. And they're off. Unified report broke real sharp. Moment of stardom, Smarty Alex Hudson's turn with the rail. Here's Coffee County coming with an early charge, and Monarch's Mischief is right there, too. It's Unified Report who leads out for Brian Hernandez, Jr. from a close-up Coffee County. Perrins is ranked between horses and Keene. Moment of stardom is saving ground, and 
deer crossing right there as they scatter the flock that scattered the horses. So in front, smooth sailing for Unified Report as Coffee County strides up now for Metromoral. Coffee County has forged ahead of Unified Report, who will track the leader, Coffee County, for the run to the half-mile pole. Monarchs Mischief gallops along in third. Then, toward the inside is Moment of Stardom, and Parents just in fourth. Moment of Stardom is saving ground. Then comes the Grain Deer Crossing, who's in front of Hudson's turn, and Smarty Alex has dropped back to eighth. 25.51 for the lead part. They go past the half-mile pole in 50.88. They head to the far side of the fairgrounds course. It's Coffee County the target. Coffee County leads Unified Report by two with three furlongs to go. Then comes Monarch's Mischief, third evenly so far, looking to draw in. With to the inside moment of stardom, Smarty Alex is coming with a bid. Smarty Alex on the far outside. Coffee County leads for home. Moment of stardom, Deer Crossing. Perrins and Hudson's turn is last. They straighten away as Coffee County after three quarters in 1 minute 16.72 seconds. Coffee County, the rail has opened up for Moment of Stardom, who's trying to come through. Right there, Unified reports. Smarty Alex with Monarch's Mischief. Hudson's turn buried in traffic. Hudson's turn and on the outside. Here comes Deer Crossing. It's a wild scramble. Moment of Stardom has emerged in front for Jaime Torres. Moment of stardom repeats at the meet. Beats home Hudson's turn with Deer Crossing. Right there was Coffee County along with Perrins and Monarch's Mischief. They finish well grouped and then Unified Report. And uh, among those uh, last to pull up was Smarty Alex. Moment of stardom gets the result. Wow, as wide open a race as you'll ever see at the eighth pole there. Looked like there was eight in with a chance. And the uh, best turn of foot was found by Moment of Stardom, who won here on January 13th, uh, parlayed that victory. That's actually his fourth win on this turf course in nine lifetime tries, trained by Shane Wilson and uh, ridden by Jaime Torres. Uh, good effort um, by Unified Report. In fact, a pretty shrewd uh, ride from uh, Hernandez, flattened out a bit in the last 70 yards uh, as, as Jeremy's first bet of the day. Uh, we're going to take a break and get the results from the uh, Sunland race and the uh, Fairgrounds ninth race and uh, and uh, say goodnight here on the First Bet Racing Show. This place has a pulse. You hear it in the canopy, feel it in the ground. Life, fully illuminated, engulfs you. From the birds singing in the treetops above to the tiniest insects in the soil below, you take a deep cleansing breath, filling your lungs with the essence of the forest. Now, imagine it's all gone. Healthy, life-giving forests reduced to nothing. No singing birds, no lush canopy, and water and food in short supply around the world. Time is running out to protect our forests, and without our love, they can and will disappear. It's our choice. Love it or lose it. Help protect our forests. Visit World Wildlife Fund at www.org love. The YMCA is just a starting line for the true self-blooms only when we find our purpose, what makes us tick below the surface. My why is diversity in unity, a safe space in my community, living with sincerity, giving every day my everything. With my why, I stand strong, seen and supported all along. It's a million faces in a mirror and everyone belongs. Find your why. Learn more at YMCA.org for a better us. 
Hi, this is jockey Brian Hernandez. For me, there's no bigger thrill than crossing the finish line in front, and nobody captures the excitement of our sport like Horse Racing Radio Network. Each week, HRRN brings you exclusive talk shows, podcasts, and in-depth conversations with the biggest names in racing, jockeys, trainers, owners, and more. Plus, HRRN is committed to helping disabled riders through their support of the PDJF. So climb aboard a winner today by visiting horseracingradio.net. You're listening to the First Bet Racing Show on the Horse Racing Radio Network. They wind around to the quarter pole. Walkathon has gotten away with easy fractions up top. Full count Felicia draws within a half length on the outside. Walkathon tries to kick home. Full count Felicia. Here's Be My Sunshine who switches toward the outside. Consumer spending has to make up five in the final 16th of mile. Walkathon is still there. It's Walkathon the leader. Be My Sunshine a length back in second. Walkathon continues on. Walkathon going to win the Endeavor Stakes. Be My Sunshine in a photo there for second. A late charging Sparkle Blue got up to photo for second in the Endeavor Stakes. Walkathon winning the Endeavor Stakes at Tampa over the weekend. Gate to wire. Really impressive effort uh, by her in the upset win. Uh, let's get a couple of results in. First of all, the Sunland Race 8 was won by the uh, 10 horse. Where does the cash go? A uh, nine-year-old son of Southwestern Heat out of the forest, Wildcat Mare, Wildcat Diva, trained by Dick Capalucci, ridden today by Alfredo Juarez Jr. Uh, where does the cash grow p- go? Paid six dollars to win, three twenty to place, three dollars to show. The eleven, he's a prospector. Second, three to place, two sixty to show, and the five, luck in my eyes, paid. Twelve sixty to show the one dollar exact at ten and eleven paid seven dollars and sixty cents the one dollar try ten eleven five a hundred and twenty dollars even and the ten cent super ten eleven five seven a hundred and twelve dollars in fourteen cents at the let's see here yeah at the fairgrounds have they gone official there I'm not quite sure. Yeah, looks like they're uh, looks like they're it's still unofficial at the fairgrounds. Uh, Jeremy, you still there, bud? Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, that was a wild race at the uh, fairgrounds. Uh, looked like about six or seven could win at the eighth pole, and uh, and the seams came at the right time. I don't think we're having a chance to to read the results out, but the winner, uh, clear winner, was uh, the four horse moment of stardom who found the best turn of foot. For Jaime Torres. Yeah, Torres got more turf wins at the meet than anybody at Fairgrounds. A good jock to follow, obviously. And in a race where it was such a slow pace, it was becoming a rider's race, and he made the winning move. Yeah, no. Again, uh, your horse uh, uh, really ran a pretty good race, and I, I thought that uh, Hernandez, uh, when he asked Unified Report to go inside the eighth pole, that he found a bit, but, but uh, suddenly he was surrounded by about six rivals. And uh, it turned out to be a pretty stirring finish uh, where, uh, again, a moment of stardom emerged victorious. Uh, the four horse who was about five or six to one. Anyways, uh, thank you very much, Jeremy. Thank you and uh, and your colleague, Jeff, for joining me here on the First Bet Racing Show. Uh, but pleasure to have you guys. And, uh, again, stay tuned for the brisnet.com call-in show. I'll be joined uh, on there by James Scully. The phone lines are open, 888-966-4776, 888-966-4776. Jeremy, have a wonderful weekend. Good luck, everybody, and thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure.
Take care and stay tuned for the brisnet.com call-in show. My battle buddies and I attended the NHL Stadium Series at Yankee Stadium.